This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Just a couple of rude moments in this one, plus a testicular reference that's in dubious taste. Look, are these warnings meant to scare people off or hook them in? I, I can't tell anymore. One crisp midwinter, not long after midnight, a battle broke out in the small Waikato town of Tira. Actually, it's hard to be certain about the geography of this battle, but Tiro, 50 kilometres southeast of Hamilton, population 804 at the 2018 census, famed for its giant corrugated iron buildings that look like a sheep and a dog. Tiro was definitely the thing that was being fought over, specifically one very small piece of Tiro. The little line over the letter I. The first shot fired was at 17 minutes past midnight on Saturday, July the 14th, 2018. Someone, somewhere in the world, went to the free internet encyclopedia Wikipedia and, as was their right, made a few edits to the article about Tiro. Wherever the article said Tiro, T-I-R-A-U, this person put a macron over the I, making it Tiro. In Māori orthography, a macron, or tohutō, over a vowel, makes it sound a little longer. A-E-I-O-U becomes A-E-I-O-U. So, tweaking tiro to tiro in this way wasn't an especially weird thing to do. This was 2018, remember. Around that time, all over Aotearoa, New Zealand, there were moves afoot to tidy up the spelling of words in te reo Māori. People were pointing out that keke, K-E-K-E, with no macrons, was importantly different from keke, two macrons, because keke meant cake, and keke meant armpit. And no one wants to be offered a slice of chocolate armpit, do they? So, this first edit to Tiro wasn't too surprising, but what happened next was... Eight minutes after the first edit, around 25 minutes past midnight, another user called Derby County NNZ reverted the edit, basically scrubbed the page clean of macrons. They left a little note saying, Unjustified changes. Common English name is Tiro. That's Tiro without a macron, of course. So, two shots fired, macrons added, macrons removed. Then things escalated. 27 minutes past midnight, macrons restored by the original editor and some extra macrons put into boot in the sentences about Tiro's dairy factory and primary school. 36 minutes past, new macrons all removed. Again by Derby County in NZ. At this point, there's a lull in the battle. I mean, it is the middle of the night. Until a new player enters, someone called R.S. Finlayson. His edit is a sort of compromise. He adds a line acknowledging there is a Māori spelling of tiro with the macron, but... The common spelling in English remains the primary spelling on this page. Well, blessed are the peacemakers, but this seems to have the opposite effect. 
Within minutes, user John Ragler leaps in and edits the page to note that actually the version with the Macron is also commonly used in English. Derby County NNZ reverts. John Ragler reverts the reversion and links to some news stories where Tiro has a Macron. R.S. Finlayson leaps back in, tosses out the latest edit and adds a comment. Please stop messing with us. And then it's all on. Revision undone. How many citations are needed? Please look up the word commonly. Here's another. It doesn't mean sometimes. The place name with a Macron, i.e. Revision undone. What evidence is there that it's not common? The original Māori language spelling. See Wikipedia's manual of style. as the sun rose and Waikato's famous morning mists evaporated, so did the Battle of Tiro. The warriors laid down their weapons, or more likely, logged off their computers and put on the kettle for breakfast. But... A compromise had been reached for the time being. No Macron on Tiro in the main title, but a sentence near the top saying the Macron version is, quote, also widely used in New Zealand English, unquote. Peace at last. Well, yes. But this skirmish, let's call it the Tiro tit-for-tat, was just one of many similar battles that were raging on the pages of Wikipedia around that time. There were so many, in fact, that some people call it... Well, give us 20 seconds or so, and you'll hear it in the episode title. Tēnā koutou katoa, nai mai, hoki mai ki, true story. Greetings and welcome back to the final episode of this first season of True Story. Ko i jembinga maho. Ko Adam Dudding tōku ingoa. Kia ora e hoa mā. True Story number six. The Great Macron War. So what was going on back in 2018? Why were the editors of Wikipedia sneaking Macrons on the top of vowels or whipping them back off again like a miniature game of Capture the Flag? Taika Waititi's page has received a total of well, 2,282 edits by 1,079 editors. So what that means is... Axel Downard Wilke. Tick this little... Should be able to help. <laughs> my name is Axel Downard Wilke and my Wikipedia username is Schwede66. And as a day job, I am a transport engineer. Axel is also a long-time editor of Wikipedia. I think I started in about 2008. The crowdsourced online encyclopedia. I do remember that the first article that I touched was the little village where I grew up in uh, Germany. He still writes some new articles of his own. I'm guessing 20 a year at this point. Or edits other people's articles. Errors popping up that need fixing. And he's also an admin, meaning he helps with the operation of the website itself. I'm one of a handful of admins who looks after the homepage of Wikipedia. One of the things about Wikipedia is that everything that happens on the site is preserved forever. Um, I don't know how many pages are listed here. You can uh, get to more than just 100 which means you can do things like um, check how popular the Wikipedia uh, article for New Zealand is, say. Something New Zealand, so let's just... There you go. Right, so what I can do If is, you're wondering, uh, New Zealand was the 478th most viewed page on English language Wikipedia last year, just ahead of Nicki Minaj and Ivermectin, and just behind Frank Sinatra, Jesus and Charles Manson. We now have a look on this particular page here. 
Or you can see how many people have edited the Jacinda Ardern page. 902 editors have edited this page and 280 editors are watching this page. The Prime Minister's page is one of those where administrators have to keep a close eye on things. Anyone can edit a Wikipedia page, but some articles are prone to getting vandalised with obnoxious or inaccurate edits. So admins like Axel have a range of powers to slow that vandalism down. What we see here, that article is semi-protected. There's a little lock on the top right of the page. Semi-protected pages cannot be edited by unregistered users. The other thing Wikipedia keeps records of is every single edit that's ever made to its articles. Right. Let's have a look at the history of this article. Okay, there are three deleted edits. Who knows what... Which is why it's possible to know the trajectory of every single shot that was fired during the battles that comprised the Great Macron War. It's amazing, eh? It's uh, It's all there in the Wikipedia databases. Macron's being removed here, uh, as Finlayson has edited this page nine times. But as well as being able to consult the logs, Axel was also there when the great Macron war was going down. And here's what happened. So the question is whether a Macron is part of New Zealand English or is not. And that's not really an easy question to answer because Wikipedia is supposed to be based on what it is that secondary sources say. Secondary sources. So, on Wikipedia, ideally, every fact in an article will be justified by reference to another published source, a story by reputable news media or a published book or a peer-reviewed academic paper and so on. There's literally a ban on using original research of your own. So, so if secondary sources start using Macrons regularly or predominantly, then that should be reflected on Wikipedia. But you can't jump the gun. Wikipedia is meant to reflect the world, not lead it anywhere. Wikipedia certainly couldn't jump ahead and start using Macrons if the media outlets, for example, So, for a long time, using Macrons on words of Māori origin in the English-language Wikipedia was really a non-issue. They weren't being used all that much in the real world, so they shouldn't be on Wikipedia. But then, the real world started to change. In 2007, New Zealand got what was reportedly its first ever street name with a Macron, Kōkiri Place, in Masterton. Around 2010, the mayor of Taupo, Rick Cooper, got sick of waiting for new road signs with Macrons over the O. So he started changing them himself. He had this reflective tape in the back of his car and a letter. And so whenever he came across a sign, he got his letter out, climbed up and to put the Macron on. The pace picked up. Land Information New Zealand, the government department which tracks place names, started using Macrons. RNZ started using Macrons in 2015. Stuff, the incredible organisation that pays for Eugene and me to sit here jabbering away, switched to Macrons in 2017. Other media groups weren't far behind. Some people liked these changes, other people didn't. And those conversations were starting to filter into the discussions between Wikipedia editors. It could get heated because there's underlying philosophies like... uh... 
we speak English in New Zealand rather than Maori. It's one view. And others say, well, you know, New Zealand's been colonized and we might as well rectify things by at least giving people help with pronouncing names correctly. And that's how the long fuse for the Great Macron War was lit. Individual Wikipedia editors, like that one on the Tiro page, started adding Macrons to Māori place names, and some other editors went right back and removed them. Mungotaha Fakatane. All through 2018, squabbles just like the Tiro tit for tat were going on on dozens of different pages. Macrons appeared, disappeared, reappeared, along with snippy comments. The previous revision of this move was vindictive and in bad faith. And over those months of skirmishing, People like Axel, who was pro-Macron, noticed that a really big proportion of the anti-Macron edits were being done by one particular user. On this particular page, uh, as Finlayson has edited this page nine times. R.S. Finlayson. We already met this editor back in Tiro. The common spelling in English remains the primary spelling on this page. And just to be clear, that's an actor reading from the Wikipedia logs, not the real R.S. Finlayson. But, yeah... R.S. Finlayson seemed a particularly dedicated Macron remover. He made Macron changes to literally dozens of different articles. In his comments, he said the people adding Macrons were following, quote, an agenda, unquote, rather than sticking to the Wikipedia rules about foreign language diacritics. Sidebar time. Diacritic is the general term for all those weird things you can add to letters. Macrons, acutes, graves, circumflexes, tildes, titlos, hooks, horns, sedillas, agonex. Agonex? Means little tail. It's used in Old Norse, Polish, and Navajo, among other languages, don't you know? Okay, anyway, during the squabbles over Macrons in New Zealand, Aris Finlayson sometimes even roamed the streets of a location virtually using Google Street View, in order to prove his point that there were hardly any street signs in, say, Paikakariki that actually had Macrons over those two A's in the middle. Thus, it wasn't common usage. Thus, it didn't belong on Wikipedia. Is that a fair point? Maybe. But street signs tend to get replaced pretty slowly, so they're arguably much less important than what's happening in newspapers and at the Land Information Office. And it's fair to say that Iris Finlayson and the other anti-Macroners were well outnumbered by the pro-Macroners. Anyway, Axel combed through the logs for us and tracked down the Paikakariki affair. This happened a couple of months before the Tiro tit-for-tat. What this editor here changed it to, as Finlayson has reverted that edit in its entirety. And Iris Finlayson has added a note that says, Come on, you know there's no consensus for this. The English language name is Paikakariki. There we go. You know, it's possibly worth knowing that Macrons weren't the only thing that Wikipedia's New Zealand editors were being pedantic about at the time. Being pedantic is an important part of the job. I mean, here are some of the other big issues that were under discussion in early 2018. Should the West Otago article be merged into the Otago page? Uh, What else? Should the Volcanoes of New Zealand seabed article be renamed? Was it okay to use the phrase on the South Island rather than in the South Island? Really? That needed discussing? Apparently. And uh, there was also discussion about whether the billionaire Peter Thiel deserved to be added to categories such as New Zealand people. Sure, he was technically a citizen, but he'd only spent 12 days in the country. 
Anyway, that's where things stood in the Great Macron War in mid-2018. Multiple skirmishes, many shots fired, unwanted Macrons lying around in the mud. A few hurt feelings, probably. But the final chapters of the Great Macron War, the diplomatic efforts, the contentious peace treaty, and shocking revelations about secret agents, all that was yet to come. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Eugene, how do you feel about Wikipedia? Well, it's kind of unavoidable, isn't it? I never go direct to the website, but you end up there anyway, because it's, you know, whenever you Google anything, the Wikipedia article is always in the first few hits. Well, let's try it. Google, Eugene Bingham. Ah, look, you're right. Wikipedia article about Eugene C. Bingham. No photo. Quite a short article. Didn't know you were a chemistry professor born in Vermont, who died in November 1945. This isn't you, is it? No, that is not the Eugene Bingham you're looking for. All right. Well, apart from the lack of a decent article about Eugene Bingham, New Zealand journalist and podcaster, I think Wikipedia is kind of fantastic. As a journalist, it's bad form to use it as a definitive source of information, but it's still incredibly useful because all its articles have those citations to secondary sources. So it's a bit of a ready-made index that can take you really quickly to the references you're looking for quite the time saver. Also, for my non-professional users, like checking pub quiz answers in the loo, the articles themselves are plenty. Adam, Adam, stop. You're not meant to check answers in the loo during a pub quiz. Hmm, interesting. No, hang on, hang on. I think, let's have a look. Wikipedia page. Actually, there's a section on cheating on the Wikipedia page for pub quizzes, and it says this. With the mass use of mobile phones and mobile internet access, Cheating has become a problem for some pub quizzes with covert calls and texts made in the toilets. So there it is on Wikipedia. Don't do it. Anyway, I talked to someone else who's also got a lot of time for Wikipedia. Many people don't quite realise just what an extraordinary human achievement this is, what we've collectively managed to create in 20 years. Uh, millions upon millions of articles created by hundreds of thousands of people. This is Mike Dickerson. Mike Dickerson, uh, I'm user Giant Flightless Birds on Wikipedia. And when I'm not being a volunteer Wikipedia editor, I've been a digital librarian and nature sketcher and amateur naturalist. Mike, who lives in Hokitika, has been writing and editing articles on Wikipedia since 2009. He checks for me and says the log shows his very first edit was... About analgesics. He has no idea why. Some of his other early edits were equally random. Oh, I remember I helped a student who was doing a thesis on European bagpipes, and we looked up the articles on that and tried to improve them. Around 2014, Mike had just moved to Whanganui to work as a museum curator. And he noticed the article for his new home was a bit 
thin. I thought it would be kind of a nice community project to get a group of people together and try and improve the article about Whanganui. So we began meeting in the library on Wiki Wednesday, we called it. And I realized that this was actually a pretty cool tool. Since then, Mike's become a leading light among New Zealand's Wikipedia editors. At one point, he spent a year as a Wikipedian at large. So I basically hit the road for a year and working with over 30 institutions, being hosted by some, running workshops for others, literally from Northgate to Bluff. This had funding from the International Wikimedia Foundation, the charity behind the Wikipedia machine. But the actual editing of articles, everyone does that for free. Why? The larger picture is it feels like this is a social good. Wikipedia was founded by American Jimmy Wales in 2001. But Mike says what often gets forgotten is that Wikipedia's special source, the fact that literally anyone can make edits, was almost accidental. Jimmy Wales and a few others were trying to create an online encyclopedia the traditional way. You commission experts to write the articles and everything's carefully fact-checked by editors. The problem was... It was hopeless. It was so slow. The experts were taking forever to complete just a few hundred articles. So... So before they pulled the plug, they turned people loose on a side project on the site, which was a wiki that anyone could create encyclopedia articles in. So the idea of a wiki already existed. It's an online document that's designed to be collaboratively edited. Extra fun fact. The word wiki comes from the Hawaiian word wiki-wiki, meaning quick. And the guy who invented the first wiki took the name from Honolulu's Wiki Wiki Airport Shuttle. Mike says Jimmy Wales and the others thought this side project would be just a place for collecting drafts of articles. To go into the proper encyclopedia later. But the whole thing took off and rapidly outpaced their proper encyclopedia. And so they ended up with a Wikipedia. At first, this was seen as a bit of a joke because, you know, any dingus can write articles and who knows if it's nonsense or not. But they had faith that if you just had enough people, enough pairs of eyes working on this, it would actually work towards something accurate and reliable. And they were absolutely right. So now, 20 years on, the articles are generally very good, generally very long, generally well-referenced and reliable. And that seems especially weird right now, given the way some parts of the internet are going. Wikipedia, given away for free. No advertising, editable by, as Mike puts it, any dingus. Wikipedia manages to be a remarkably reliable source of information. But multi-billion dollar outfits like Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, with armies of paid content moderators and bots that are constantly removing hate crime videos and other nasty content, they're groaning under the weight of misinformation. How how does it work? This is the thing that people are incredulous about. Like, how can this thing possibly work? Mike says over two decades, Wikipedia has developed tools and practices to prevent the encyclopedia from descending into inaccuracy and toxicity. For a start, robots are watching. One of the first things that people might want to do is put something stupid on a page, like board school kids are good at this. And it's usually the word poo for some reason in New Zealand, I don't know why that is. At this point in the interview, I remembered that Axel had shown us something similar. He'd pulled up the article for a famous New Zealand sportswoman whose edit log showed that at one point the entire article had been replaced with a single mildly rude word. So I asked Mike this serious and important question. What about ball sacks? 
Oh, yeah, bull sex would be good. I mean, it would be fantastic to do some actual academic research on bull sex versus poo over time. Is it, you know, it's Friday afternoons and summer, the time at which Wikipedia vandalism happens the most? Who can say? Uh, it's important research. But anyway, the point is... Uh, so if a kid does that, then there's an automated little bot, a piece of software with a dictionary of rude words that comes along and cuts it out and reverts it in about 15 seconds or so. And you'll see them in the edit history. You'll see them go poo and it disappears in 15 seconds. They try poo disappears in 15 seconds like poo 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 disappears in 15 seconds usually by that point they get bored and wander off so that sort of random vandalism isn't even a problem for human beings to worry about more subtle attacks on the encyclopedia's integrity claims that aren't linked back to reliable sources opinions instead of facts a puff piece about a company that's clearly been spat out by its own pr department to fix that kind of stuff you need humans and luckily, Wikipedia has lots of them. There are people who just do this. This is their, their jam. They check every bit of new editing every day and it scrolls past. And if it's garbage? They click on an undo button and it's reverted. And of course, that's the framework that makes something like the Great Macron War possible. An edit is made to a page. That page is on someone else's watch list. They get an alert that a change has been made. So they go have a look. And if they think that, say, the Macron you just added is unsupported by the Wikipedia guidelines, they can simply click the undo button and that Macron is gone. What's remarkable about Wikipedia is that the culture among users means even when someone's reverting something they consider total garbage. They'll usually be super polite. Like they'll say something in the edit comment says, these facts do not seem to be backed up by a reliable source. That politeness is even more impressive given that there's no obligation when you're on Wikipedia to reveal your true identity ever. Back in the day, Mike gave himself the handle Giant Flightless Birds. Because I'd just finished doing a PhD in Giant Flightless Birds. But he's not hiding behind that handle. Google his username and you'll end up at his real name in a couple of clicks. But there are other editors who like to stay properly anonymous. I emailed one of them, a New Zealander with the handle Gadfem, who's been a prolific editor of Aotearoa-related Wikipedia pages starting in 2004. He's so private he declined an interview but was happy to exchange emails. So I asked, why do all this great work and hide your light under a bushel? Why stay anonymous? I've got an actor to read out some of his response. The majority of Wikipedians are anonymous. It's part of our culture. I work on Wikipedia because it gives me Wait a Wait a minute. I know that voice. Isn't that Ethan, the online robot who voiced those lines in the Uber driver episode, story one? Yes, I am he. Adam... Couldn't you find a robot voice with a Kiwi accent? Ahem, I'm right here. Yeah, a bit rude, Eugene. Sorry, just seems a bit weird. Look, I'm sorry, Ethan, you just carry on. You were reading from an email that was sent to me by the New Zealand Wikipedia editor, Gadfian. Right, thank you, Adam. I was saying, the majority of Wikipedians are anonymous. It's part of our culture. I work on Wikipedia because it gives me a sense of satisfaction, not because I want any praise or reward. Also, Gadfium wrote that being anonymous reduced the chances of getting hassled online. People online are sometimes much more abrasive than they would be face-to-face. I revert a lot of vandalism from school IP addresses and have got messages back. You're a creepy old man. Except where we've bleeped isn't his actual name. It's one the school kid, presumably it's a school kid, found online from the time a few years earlier when someone else tried to reveal Gadfium's true identity but got it totally wrong. So... Such insults do not upset me because the name is incorrect, but I would not like to see my real name used in such fashion. 
GADFM also keeps an eye on articles about New Zealand gangs. And sometimes, after removing material that isn't properly sourced, say, I have received a threat of violence as a result of this, but as they don't know my name, I am not greatly concerned. Gadfim realizes that even if he did use his real name, the chance of actual violence against him is low. But Mike says there are places in the world where being a Wikipedia editor really is dangerous. There are many people for whom being outed with their real name is not just like you'd get in trouble at work or people might make fun of your obsession with a Korean boy band. It's that you might go to prison or you might be executed. Some Wikipedia editors are working literally in a war zone. I spoke to some Ukrainian editors. They're going out taking 3D scans and photographs of historic monuments and statues in case they get destroyed. You know, there are people who are risking their lives to do this stuff. And if they want to be anonymous, well, bless them. Mike estimates there are just a few hundred people in New Zealand who you could call dedicated editors, contributing once a week or more. That's not a lot to cover every topic imaginable relating to New Zealand. But despite that small pool, there's a real sense of community between these editors. Sometimes they meet up face-to-face, including in workshops like the ones Mike has organised. But also... Okay, let's um, dive in. There are regular video meetups. Like this one I gate crashed on a Sunday afternoon last so, month. who would like to start? There were half a dozen people on the call. Let's put you first. Would you like Excel. to tell us what you think? The administrator Eugene and I met earlier was on the call. Greetings from Golden Bay. It's Movember here, as you might be able to see. Um, what have I been doing? Um, as well as a few other people. My username is Ina Billion, and I've been... Whose names I was starting to recognise from clicking around the discussion boards. My username is Paul. And pretty quickly, it was down to business. The Wikipedians talked about communal editing projects. I finally submitted my report on the data cleaning. but I'm now And some forthcoming events. Looking forward to the conferences and it's going to be great. But also updates about personal editing projects. Like this guy, Marshall. User handle Marshallek, who's just back from Melbourne. My wife Lynn and I went to Australia to visit our daughter. And while he was there, he visited the Contemporary Arts Gallery. And there's a rather confronting uh, exhibition there by a very controversial queer artist. Marshall was intrigued and went to Wikipedia to learn more about this artist. And he wasn't mentioned at all. There was no article from him at all. So I thought, well... So Marshall quickly read a bunch of media articles about this guy. A lot of newspaper articles about the various controversies and some of his works. And pulled together a Wikipedia article about him. So I was quite moved by, by the exhibition and so I created this article. His name is Paul Yore, Y-O-R-E, if you want to look up. Marshall, whose day job is in engineering, told me his path as a Wikipedia editor have been quite typical. You start off with an area that's known to you, in my case, high-voltage electrical engineering, and now I do anything. I would never have imagined when I started that I'd end up writing an article about a controversial contemporary queer Australian artist. But there you are. (laughs) That's how it goes. One editor on the call... My username's Ambrosia Penn. ...had an especially long list of updates to get through. I've been a Wikimedian since 2015, and I've done a lot this month, so brace yourself. So, a few days later, Adam and I caught up with Ambrosia Ten again. This time, with a proper microphone. And like she says, her real name is Siobhan Leachman. I think I've got over 400,000 edits for Wikidata. I think it's nearer 30,000 edits for Wikipedia. And when I say edits, they can be whole articles or one period. Just like her fellow editor Marshall... Siobhan never knows when she's going to get sucked into a new edit. 
If you do a Google search, nine times out of ten, the info box that Google throws up is sourced from Wikipedia. So if I really want to know something, Google it, click on the Wikipedia link, do a quick scan, realise the Wikipedia article is missing something, go and get the book that I've just read, edit the Wikipedia article, fall down a rabbit hole, start clicking other articles and editing those, and before I know it, five hours have passed. So, yeah, that's my life. One of the subjects that's taken over Siobhan's life is... New Zealand endemic moths. That's moths that live in Aotearoa and nowhere else. It started with her uploading a trove of open licensed photographs of moths to a wiki photo database and... I got more and more enthusiastic about them because they were so pretty or so interesting and it just grew from there. I mean, we're a moth country and they're amazing. We've got around 2,000 species, give or take. So my favourite New Zealand endemic moth is the North Island lichen moth. And it is a black and white, gorgeous, gorgeous insect. Your interest in moths was spawned online. Yep. Has it spilled over into real life? Like, do you go on moth hunts or anything? Or? I, yeah, I, I got a, for a Christmas present, I got a UV light so that I can go and peg a white sheet on my clothesline put UV light up against the white sheet and then moths come and fly. So I look at it in my garden and if I see a moth, like I've stopped my husband driving into the garage because I've seen a moth fly into the garage and I stop, stop. I've got to go take a photo of the moth. Okay, now you can back the car in. I, I knew very little about natural history in New Zealand prior to starting editing Wikipedia. And now I'm writing articles which are reused on international websites about our endemic species. And I am by no means an expert. I am basically reading the content, putting it in my own words, and then citing where I got the content from in the Wikipedia article. Siobhan's also really active in building the New Zealand Wikipedia community. Things like that online meetup that Adam crashed and projects like Women in Red. It's a group of editors who've come together to try and improve the coverage of women in Wikipedia because women biographies were, there weren't that many in comparison to biographies for men. Prior to the Women in Red project starting, it was around 14% of all biographies. Women in Red was kicked off by a man in the UK. I think his name's Roger. And a woman in the US. Called Rosie. In 2015. It's called Women in Red because those clickable links on Wikipedia articles, which are usually blue, take you to another Wikipedia article. But a red hyperlink takes you to a page that basically says, well, this article hasn't been written yet. So a woman in red is a woman who's notable enough to be name-checked in someone else's Wikipedia article, but who, for some reason, hasn't had an article of her own written yet. And that's what the project members are trying to set right. And they're getting there, kind of. After starting at 14% of biographies being women... Nowadays, there's between 19 and 20% because of this movement. It's slow work because Wikipedia always needs those secondary sources. Newspaper articles, scientific articles, and there's more men covered in all of that sort of content. And because Wikipedia reflects how society covers women, it also has a bias. I don't think we're actually aiming for a particular figure. I mean, ideally, obviously, if we had it even, that would be fabulous. But it's more making sure that the women who are uh, notable and should have a Wikipedia article actually do. So Siobhan's happy to put herself out for a good cause, which made us wonder, what does she do during the great Macron War of 2018? Ah, now this is where I feel kind of... Um, 
like a coward, I must admit. I regard editing Wikipedia as a fun activity and uh, I'm not confrontational. So the Great Macron War was very confrontational and although I very much support the use of Macrons on New Zealand Wikipedia articles, I kept my head down, basically. I wasn't interested in having to go through the really hard work of arguing with people who have entrenched positions. Actually, the Great Macron War, we kind of left that dangling, didn't we? Aye. So, last we heard... There were all those online scuffles in Tiro and Kaikakariki and Tamaki and so on, all the way through 2018, and that rolled into 2019 as well. And meanwhile, out in the real world, the Macron kept moving on. More publications using tohuto on Māori words, more government agencies, more local councils, more businesses. There was that fuss over with the workshop, right? Yeah, so that was the movie special effects company that back in the 90s called itself Weta Workshop. The name was meant to be in honour of the Weta, the magnificent and ginormous native insect, but because they left the two macrons off, Weta became Weta, which means, well, shit. So 2019, it's around this time that they first came under pressure to take a closer look at the spelling. And in early 2020, Axel Downard Wilker, you remember him. My Wikipedia username is Schroeder66. Got talking to Mike Dickerson. We began corresponding on this. I remember sitting down with Mike and saying to him, I reckon it's time that we put a proposal forward. Axel had the admin background, so he knew exactly how things work. You know, I think we'll get there this time. Axel wanted to draw a line under all the sniping, all the Macrons appearing and disappearing in the dead of night. He wanted to bring the Great Macron War to an end by getting a clear ruling, you could call it a peace treaty, I guess, from the Wikipedia community. Everyone needed to decide one way or the other whether the place names that derived from Maori words Macrons should be introduced into New Zealand English. So Axel sat down and started writing a proposal. It took me a whole weekend. And Mike, meanwhile, put together a kind of frequently asked questions document. Sort of how to address all the common concerns that some people were having in a diplomatic fashion. So we turned that into a formal request for comment. A request for comment, an RFC. That's a Wikipedia thing where you set out the case for a rule change and then invite everyone to say what they think. So an RFC is usually open for a month. And everyone who was pro or anti-Macron was invited to state their view on Axel's proposal. And people went backwards and forwards. And once everyone had had a long time to talk it out, and everything had been said two or three times, uh, at that point it was determined, okay, this is time to close this off. And this next part of the RFC process is quite unusual, but quite clever. A complete outsider in this case an editor from England, then read all the comments and votes from that month of discussion and sort of boiled it all down, then came back and told them where the consensus lay. At that stage, people are just too close to it. They can't see the wood for the trees anymore. It's not about this outsider just counting up the votes to a majority. It's about weighing it all up, almost like a judge or jury. And in the case of Axel's RFC about Macron's, this outsider's conclusion was that the... Wait, 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 wait. We're not quite there yet. Because before that month was over, Axel noticed something really strange. 
Remember, one of the loudest voices against the Macrons had been the user R.S. Finlayson. R.S. Finlayson, that was the guy who even took a virtual drive around Paikakariki to look for Macrons on road signs. In previous discussions, this editor would always chime in and say, look, Macrons aren't part of English, therefore we shouldn't have them, blah, 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 blah. So Axel was fully expecting to hear from R.S. Finlayson during this month of discussions, but... When the RFC started, I was surprised to not hear from him. So that was kind of odd, but whatever. There were other people making the arguments against Macron, so it still seemed a fair debate. One editor in particular really stepped up, and it was quite a new account, username Rangatira80. Rangatira is Māori for chief, so possibly someone pretty qualified to discuss Māori orthography. Anyway, Rangatira80 contributed really firm anti-Macron arguments to Axel's RFC conversation. Things like... Think about how a long-time resident of a New Zealand town might start thinking about Wikipedia if they wake up one morning to find that their town's Wikipedia page now uses a spelling that almost nobody living or working there has ever used. OK, so there are good people on both sides. Now can I say what the final ruling was? Yeah, sure. Shoot. The decision from that English editor who came in as a neutral third party and waited all up was... Bring on the Macrons. Or, to be precise, it was resolved, just like Axel wanted, that the New Zealand naming conventions be amended to allow the use of Macrons for articles written in New Zealand English. And then there was a whole bunch of stuff about the finer details. And so... At that point in March 2020, it more or less became Wikipedia law. The Great Macron War was over, and the peace treaty had been signed. And a team of New Zealand editors, you could think of them as a post-war reconstruction team, I guess, set about adding little lines over certain vowels in 300-odd articles about New Zealand place names. Because the thing is... That was all just over place names. Axel says there could still be future tussles over other kinds of words. Names of birds, for example. One day, somebody will say, OK, right, let's deal with non-place names and we'll see how it goes. But that's for another day. Axel and the pro Macroners had won. That's it. Bye. Thanks for listening. That is not it. OK, that's not quite the end. Because sometimes, amid the fog of war, it's hard to see what's going on. And you only learn later what actually happened. And here's what actually happened. Remember that user, Rangatera80? Think about how a long-time resident of a New Zealand town might start thinking about Wikipedia. Well, Rangatera80 was actually, probably, R.S. Finlayson in disguise. It's a thing called sock puppeting. And on Wikipedia, it's very, very naughty. Sock puppets are basically editors who use more than one account in a manner that's not allowed. Mike put it this way. Sock puppets are like a capital crime in Wikipedia because all you are in Wikipedia is basically a username and if you just start creating account after account to push your viewpoint, the whole thing falls apart. And a few months after the RFC had closed, it was discovered that RS Finlayson and Rangatera 80 were one person pretending to be two. Basically just one person who had created fake accounts. Like everything on Wikipedia, it's all logged. So there's a page from mid-2020 that sets it all out. 
the strange absence of Iris Finlayson from the Macron IRFC, and how this new person, Rangatera Eiti, popped up to say similar stuff, and how detailed timelines of the two accounts show they have overlapping interests in very specific niche subjects, not just Macron's. That was enough to warrant a closer look. There are ways of detecting sock puppets that advanced admins can do. So another admin who specialises in catching sock puppets looked into it. And in August 2020, Aris Finlayson and Rangatera 80 were blocked. He was blocked. He was banned. He was kicked off Wikipedia. The Aris Finlayson block was actually only set down for three months, but he's never posted since. That same day, the sock puppet investigator also blocked a third account. It too was suspected of being an R.S. Finlayson sock puppet. Curious thing though, that second sock puppet's username was Komatua 1966. Komatua is Maori for elder. And yeah, there's a Macron over the middle A. We went hunting for Ares Finlayson. There's reason to believe that he's a New Zealander with a background in IT who's been living overseas for quite a few years. We also looked back through his Wikipedia edit history to get a sense of who he was before the Great Macron War kicked off in 2018. And yeah, even early on, you can see the seeds of what was to come. It appears that Ares Finlayson's second ever edit back in 2016 was to remove the word Aotearoa from an article about a TV series and replace it with New Zealand. He left a comment at the time. This is an English language page, so should use the English language name of the country. We've sent emails and left phone messages for this person who we believe ran the RS Finlayson account, but they've not got back to us. So we couldn't ask about their time on the losing side of the Great Macron War. We couldn't ask why he fought longer than the rest and why, when facing defeat, he appears to have put on a sock puppet disguise to fight just that little bit longer. You could speculate, perhaps, that a New Zealander abroad who's attached to the version of New Zealand they knew and who sees the cultural landscape shifting in their absence, perhaps someone like that might want to fight extra hard to preserve some of the old certainties. Mike Dickerson says you can also think about it this way. Wikipedia is a very friendly space for people who like clear black and white rules and don't like ambiguity because the rules are all written down and if you like following rules, you can go ahead and apply them and fix things and it's a lovely retreat from the greyness and ambiguity of the real world. And of course, the anonymity of Wikipedia means that the person behind the Ares Finlayson username may have simply... ...created another account and is now doing something completely innocuous. And that's lovely. If that's the case, good on him. Uh, But if he was to ever act up again, I think the blockage would be even swifter. Uh, Adam here. I know you're expecting the theme music about now, and if you just wait a sec, that is coming up. But first, this... You know how this episode involved a lot of people correcting each other's mistakes? Well, after we released the episode yesterday, a Wikipedia editor emailed me to politely point out my mistake, and now I'm correcting it. So, you remember the Teodo tit-for-tat from the top of the episode and how it kicked off just after midnight? Well, I'd failed to notice that the Wikipedia logs were given in UTC, that's Coordinated Universal Time, which is 12 hours behind New Zealand time, which means the Tiro tit-for-tat 
actually kicked off just after midday. I mean, technically it was just after midnight on the other side of the world, in London and Mali and Burkina Faso, but I don't think that really counts. So I'm very sorry for messing that up, and hopefully that's the last correction you'll hear before we get back to those credits you've been dying to hear. Have you got any more true stories? Uh, Actually, that was the sixth and final episode of the first season of True Story. We'll be back next year. So you'd be wise to go and subscribe to True Story on your favourite podcast app, and that way you'll be among the first to know when we re-emerge. Oh, and if you're listening, Aris Finlayson, a.k.a. Rangatira 80, a.k.a. Komatua 1966, feel free to get in touch at truestory@stuff.co.nz. Perhaps we can have a 2023 update about the soldiers of the Great Macron War. True Story is written and hosted by Adam Dudding and me, Eugene Bingham. Our producer is Jen Black. Our executive producer is Chris Reed. Editing of this episode by Adam Dudding. Mixing by Connor Scott. Music by Audio Network and Blue Dot Sessions. Graphics by Catherine George. And seeing as this is our last credits of the year, an extra special thanks to all the people who've helped make this show possible, especially those people who agreed to get in front of the mic and tell their true stories about ride sharing and sugar and wallabies and court cases and things. Also, Nami Hinui to Diana Letica, Ethan to Order, The Good Folk at the Spin-Off, Daniel Fraser, Laura Heathcote, Nadia Tolich, Jenna Halloran, Courtney Granfell, Janine Fennick, Joanna Norris, and Mark. Yes, I am he, Stevens. Free love, group therapy, and a guru called Bert. What could possibly go wrong? The Commune. Listen for free in Apple and Spotify now. Search for The Commune. An airliner takes off from Auckland Airport on a sightseeing trip to Antarctica. A few hours later, all 257 people on board are dead. White Silence. Listen for free in Apple and Spotify now. Search for White Silence.